wasn't Dos Acero, and boy, would it have been nice if it had been for our hearts and our souls. But Uno Acero is going to have to do, and boy, will it ever, as the U.S. men's national team advances to the knockout stage of the World Cup after missing out four years ago. We're here to talk about a love club and country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage and some U.S. men's national team coverage from the two people who've covered the uh, Nashville SC longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. Split me up again this week, Tim. Uh, I am... Uh, <laughs> I'm Wes Bowling, who has done that on radio. And I am Tim Sullivan, the owner of ClubCountryUSA.com. So much to talk about here. And it's a it's a victorious night. It's a night that feels uh, like the United States avenged a lot of pain that happened four mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, how'd you take it in? How did you enjoy this one? Were you in you know, agonizing on, on your own? Were you in a community of people? Yeah, I was, I was surrounded by fellow U.S. men's national team fans. Um, I think I was a little more optimistic after the goal probably a little more pessimistic before the goal than a lot of the people around me but uh, managed to hold it together managed to <laughs> managed to have a couple adult beverages in the process and and had a really good time the weakest beer in all of vermont is like six percent uh, <laughs> which is where i happened to be and i had a work dinner that i just got back from that was after the game and so it's a really delicate balancing act for me when i was in a pub full of uh, of u.s fans here of course um if we were in Nashville, uh, if I were in Nashville, I would have gone to ML Rose and, uh, and watched it there and agonized there. But man, um, just a special night. And Tim, I know, you know you've made a point before to, to say that this is the one team that you cover that you can be an unabashed fan of at the same mm-hmm. time. So how much fun is it for you? How gratifying is it for you to be living this moment of a team that you know inside and out, you cover, but also you're emotionally invested in. And it's one of the best nights in country soccer history. Yeah, it's uh, obviously, you know, covering the day to day, you kind of get an emotional detachment. Otherwise, you're going to end up a really depressed guy (laughs) one way or another. (laughs) But but I think um, being a fan and and an in-depth observer slash cover of the team, you you feel gratified when they perform well. Yes. And and as I've mentioned, when we talk about Nashville SC as well, you feel gratified when you get things right in terms of your predictions, in terms of your coverage. But being able to to watch this team and say i just want them to go out there and win i don't really care how they do it yes i'd love to be proven right about certain things but as long as they go out and and get the result that they need which today was a win they could not have gone through with a draw so they needed a win and then to be surrounded by people saying okay you know, Christian Pulisic puts the ball in. We'll, we'll obviously talk about that in a second, but we can just go unabashedly high five each other. We can have a great time. This is about a positive feeling and everything that comes with that. It just feels really good. I agree. It, it feels incredible. Um, today we'll talk a bit about, of course, again, the Nashville SC angles here. Both Walker and Shaq got in. Neither started, uh, which in Shaq's mm-hmm. case is not a surprise, but Walker uh, came off the bench for the first time. In this World Cup, and in just a sec, we'll talk about that decision to start Cameron Carter Vickers over Walker. We'll get into what uh, this day could potentially mean for the U.S. Men's National Team, expectations for the Netherlands, all that. But of course, first club and country is sponsored by ML Rose, and I can only imagine that watch party was absolutely popping today when that goal went in the back of the net and Christian got popped in the process. <laughs> yeah, and and like we've mentioned before. One of the things that we like so much about ML Rose is they are not a place that says we are a bar that kind of wants to to horn in on, on soccer coverage. We'll we'll sponsor this podcast to help these guys out and, and kind of, you know, have our name mentioned here and there in the soccer world. These are people who actually 
love soccer. They want to have soccer fans show up to their bar. They want to have soccer fans. Yes, they want to have soccer fans buy beers. And and knowing soccer fans like we do, that is definitely something that, that, that is pulled off on a regular basis. But it's it's people who who feel the the energy and they feel the vibe when there's a U.S. men's national team game, when there's a Nashville SC game. And uh, the fact that these are people who not only support uh, what we do, but they feel the mission is something that always makes us really happy. It's amazing. And you know that they're going to have a great setting to watch Saturday's game. That's my right now likely choice. It's either that or I'm going to watch it quietly at home and be a dad because I'm quietly, on a trip. Quietly, he says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not quietly how could i ever watch this team quietly good call out good call out i uh i actually terrified my my two-year-old the other day poor cameron it was during the tennessee uh bandy game and there was a there was a moment like, ah! no no you know what it was the u.s match it was the u.s match um mm-hmm. the the one that i had to watch at home england and there was a close call for england early on and i was like oh, so look at me. He, he, he still refers to himself in the second person he doesn't understand mm-hmm. yet the you meet that's Daddy scared you a little bit. Uh, yes, <laughs> Daddy was Daddy was more than scared uh, for the bulk of this World Cup uh, group stage. <laughs> and so, I guess as we as we start to sum up what we just saw and, and wrap up the group stage, I want to ask you a question. I think first, just an umbrella question: Is the U.S. playing with house money now? Is this is this tournament a success because they got to the knockout round? Or do they need to do something more against the Netherlands to whether it's win or or you know be on the same footing and, and lose narrowly to consider this a success? They have met expectations at this point. Uh, I guess uh, paradoxically enough, I think meeting expectations is not meeting expectations <laughs> in this particular <laughs> World Cup. They they are at a point as as a program where they kind of need to exceed expectations, where they need to raise the bar to a level that. Yes, they've been to before. They, they've they've made uh, you know quarterfinal runs before. They've they've been in semifinals before. But with this with this group that is at a different talent level than we've ever seen before. Um, yes, the rest of the world has also increased in talent level as well. And and yes, this team is going to have essentially every single one of these players back in four years when the World Cup is hosted in the United States. But that's another reason that they need to kind of raise the bar a little bit and say, hey. Mm-hmm. When it's when it's on home turf, we're we're coming to win it, and um, you know, I anybody would be foolish to say this this U.S. men's U.S. men's national team fails by not winning this edition of the World Cup, but certainly raising the bar, and whether that's something as simple as as losing to the Netherlands, which is a global soccer power. Let's not kid ourselves; they are a global power. If you lose to them in a tight match, if you lose to them in penalties, you haven't changed the game, and there's there's not a problem with not changing the game. But it's it's meeting expectations with a team that is built to do more than that, I guess. That's the thing that I've enjoyed, except when the U.S. has played throughout the <laughs> tournament, is trying to put myself maybe more than ever inside the heads of these players to the extent that someone can do that. And it's hard to relate having not been there. But the enormous pressure they feel not just to capture their dream in mm-hmm. 270 plus minutes of their lives that, that will transform their lives, but also to transform the game in their countries. Like how amazing would it have been if the U.S. had had a signature goal against England? Just a moment. Maybe if Weston puts that one, that was tougher than people give him credit for, into the back of the net. Like mm-hmm. the, the the change that can happen, the inspiration that can happen. So I, I, I see what you're saying there. I think, you know, the U.S. has so far given us proof of concept. They mm-hmm. have proven that a young team is not only talented enough to take leads, 
but also tough enough to keep them and to get into what you know many countries could, would consider the, a, a successful place, which is to, to get out of the group. The problem with proving your concept is once you've proven it, you're expected to continue to prove it and to reinforce yeah. it. You have to you have to continue to escalate. It can't just be <laughs> stagnating from there. Yeah, right. And especially in a moment where so so much of the country watched on Black Friday, right? And so then mm-hmm. some of those people who weren't working, to, you know, you know, today as we record this, you know, we're watching Iran, but others, I'm sure, were saying, all right, once they get to the knockout round, then I'm tuning in. So yeah. it is. It's that point where you can give you can, you can really make an impression because the nation's going to be tuned in now. It's playoff time, uh, if you will. Uh, I think it's a success, though. I think I, yeah. I, I have the feeling and maybe it's just relief and euphoria from emerging and from the group. But I feel like they're playing with house money at the same time. And, and even if it's a three nothing loss to the Dutch, I'm going to say this is a building block. This is not a disappointment. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> but, not not in the moment, but later. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, Greg Ber- Berhalter has been very clear that he wants to, uh, I, th- I think, a direct quote, change the way the world views American soccer. And I think that is probably impossible without making it to the semifinals and, and possibly even the final. But he can change the way America views American soccer. He can change the way that that people in this country see their country as a contender. And, and yes, it, it is not fair to the current team to frame everything in the lens of look what that could mean for 2026, but th- it's a building block. 1994 was not a, a year that anybody thought the United States would do anything in the world cup yeah. uh, other than host it essentially. And, and from there soccer was building in this country. I probably didn't, kick a soccer ball before that time and have very rarely <laughs> kicked one since in any sort of competitive fashion. But it's a situation where, you know, as an eight-year-old kid, it was not a sport that I was even considering. United States hosts the World Cup. You know, it builds from there. When you look at what this could mean for, for this country, um, yes, you have you have kids who are the sons of, uh, you know, former professionals, former um, Belanda Orr winners <laughs> in, in one particular case of, of my large adult son, Tim Weah. But what you can do is lay the groundwork for more kids to be interested in the game. And that's something that is not going to pay off. Um, it might not pay off for the national team ever, but it's not going to pay off immediately for certain. But the big thing is you're changing the way American soccer is viewed. And and it might not be the way that, that people kind of uh, like to deride Greg Verhalter for saying a little bit, but it is something that I think is significant in the long run. Talk about setting yourself up for pressure coming out and saying you want to change the way the world perceives your game. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, way to set the plate there for yourself. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of kids and a lot of adults were excited to tune in and see Walker start a third consecutive group match, uh, group stage match, and he didn't. And I think there was a good bit of surprise around that, that Carter yeah. Vickers came in for him, even if tactically you might understand some of the reasons why, you know, you wanted a little more speed and a little more distribution rather than the pure aerial ability in a more defensive game like Walker maybe I kind of, you know, ruined the ruined your explanation there, but but kind of take could take us into why Greg Berhalter might have made this decision. Maybe go a little deeper there. And do you agree with the decision to sit Zimmerman um in, in favor of a different style of center back there on the right side? Yeah, I think I think skill wise it, it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. Um Cameron Carter Vickers is is a fast guy. I don't know that he's necessarily faster than Walker Zimmerman. He's uh definitely not an aerial Right, like Walker Zimmerman. He's a pretty good player with his feet. I don't think he's a lot better with his feet than Walker Zimmerman. But Greg Berhalter's explanation after the game was was actually very enlightening because he said Cameron Carter Vickers plays 
uh, for Celtic. He plays for one of the, the big two in Scotland and he plays against a bunch of teams that are saying, okay, not in the face, not in the face. We are just going to bunker and hope that Celtic doesn't destroy us and then potentially try to counter on them. And he's a guy who is used to having a team attempt to counter on him. And it's something that I don't necessarily know that athletically he's providing a higher profile than Walker Zimmerman, but it, he's used to it. He's used to playing that sort of game where the United States was pushing numbers forward over and over again. And, and, Iran was going to try to counter. That was the way that Iran was going to generate any chances, except in as much as they did not generate very many chances. But uh, Walker Zimmerman plays for Nashville SC, as as fans may or may not have heard. He's not he's not uh, he's not stepping up and and watching his team pour on the pressure and trying to sniff out counters. He's the guy absorbing a little bit more pressure and trying to spark counters, and that's just not what this game called for. Based on that, based mm-hmm. on how Netherlands play. And based on the fact that Walker came on once the U.S. was forced to absorb pressure, do you expect him to start in the round of 16 again? I would expect him to work his way back in. Yeah, I'm not sure about a start. He'll definitely play again. Uh, you know, we didn't mention that he did. He and Shaq came on together um, in the yeah. second half. but Which was just for the purposes of the Nashville SC social media team, actually. They requested yeah, that yeah. It was, if Greg it was, was going to very... send them in, get that good angle of them standing there together. Yeah. It was very kind to them, for yeah. sure. But no, it, it is a situation where... Uh, how is how is the United States going to score on the Dutch? I don't know for sure, but one way that they definitely will have a chance is on set pieces. Mm-hmm. And when you look at who are the best set piece finishers on this roster, it's probably Walker Zimmerman, number one, Weston McKenney number two. I don't even know who number three is, honestly. So uh, he's going to have to play a role unless the United States um, you know, starts Cameron Carter-Vickers or or somebody else, some other center back that Walker Zimmerman um, sits on the bench for to start the game and and you know, if they happen their way into two goals without needing a set piece down the road, maybe he doesn't see the pitch. And um, we're, we're all extraordinarily happy because El Quinto Partido <laughs> is his game there. <laughs> but it's a situation where, you know, if he's not needed, it's it's probably a good opportunity to let him rest and to let kind of the guy that you have ridden for a long time, all through World Cup qualifiers, kind of get his get his chance to take a breath after two pretty intense games to start and, and an intense shift this afternoon too. And it's, it's easy to forget uh, as Nashville fans, probably as us men's national team fans, it might be a little bit different that he probably had a pretty tough mental time after that Wales game um, mm-hmm. gave up the penalty. It was not necessarily a, an individual, you know, unforgivable moment, but I think it's definitely something that you go to bed and you say, you know, if I hadn't done that, this is a very different, looking group yeah so so it's a situation where there's a lot going on for all of these guys but for walker it is it's a chance for him to focus on what he does best regardless of whether or not he starts i, I think there's a really good chance you know again bar- barring a really weird 2-0 lead over the netherlands that he's going to see the field either way yeah put me down for for walker starting and and you know, especially I, I, that's most likely. Let, let me okay. be clear there. It's most likely yeah, that he yeah, starts, yeah. and we don't have to worry about a two nothing lead that he doesn't contribute <laughs> to on there anyway. Yeah, and when it's a two nothing two nothing lead that he's gonna, you know, he's gonna bang in both the set piece goals. We we know mm-hmm. that that's that's what's gonna happen for sure. Uh, Shaq Moore gets in as well, and again, you know, as crisp as he has looked in a Nashville SC kit, the one v one defending, the chances he takes, the getting forward. I thought he struggled at times in the 1v1 space, but also I was getting concerned he was getting too far forward and his eyes were getting bigger than his stomach there in the waning moments when his job was to sit back and be that crisp 1v1 guy. What were your impressions? Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, you bring him on to be a 1v1 defender. He does that yeah. in a way that Serginho Des, um, I don't want to say cannot do, because Serginho Des is obviously a, a, at a level that Shaq Moore will probably never get back to. Let's not, let's not, uh, let's not kid ourselves here. But Serginho Des does things in, a, in the attack that make him the player he is. You bring on Shaq Moore to be a defender. And yes, I, I agree with you that. Um, a lot of what he does hasn't seemed to translate in, in any of the games or either of the games that he's come on for so far. He is, he hasn't been quite as smooth on the ball. He hasn't been quite as consistent, a one V one defender. And, um, you know, we talked, uh, I, uh, previously that, you know, he didn't bang in a couple crosses that you might've expected against England that could have changed the game. And these are the sorts of things that you bring him for. And if he's not going to be the the solid one v one defender, it's it's a disappointment because Nashville C fans absolutely know that that's what he's able to bring at this level. And um, you know, it's it's a something that is it is it the moment? Is it kind of a lack of minutes with the with the U.S. men's national team? He's only played mm-hmm. a handful of of caps for this team so far. So hopefully, if his number is called again, we see the shack that that Nashville fans have have gotten used to for sure. Yeah, and that's the way I referred to it last time too. I said he would he would tell you he didn't have his best game, and yeah. by by Shaq standards, certainly, uh, I like that he's in before a Yedlin. He's the guy I want in those situations. That's all faith in him. But I think I'm with you in that it's almost a read of the game and a chemistry challenge, perhaps mm-hmm. in some cases. Of you know, man, you're going way up the pitch right now. It's a one nil lead. You don't need to combine right now. You need to you need to be sitting back. Uh, mm-hmm. Made me maybe a little anxious there. And with Walker's absence, Walker had been the only MLS player um, to start yeah. for the U.S. men's national team in these first two World Cup matches. This night is an enormous success for U.S. soccer. But yeah. looking purely from an MLS perspective, disappointing that no domestic players were, in, were involved in this from the get-go? Or is it just one of those things where the balls bounce where they did and the league shouldn't take any any signals from that? I think it's important to have a clear eyed perspective of where major league soccer stands in the global sphere. And yes, we would love for, for major league soccer to be the top league in the world, but there has to be an understanding that it is not that right now. When you look at some of these guys who did see the field, uh, Weston McKinney, FC Dallas product, um, uh, Tyler Adams, New York Red Bulls product, uh, Josh Sargent, you know, came up domestically. He did not play in an MLS academy uh, long enough to have his homegrown rights, uh, at least for Sporting Kansas City, as as Mike Jacobs would love to tell, tell everyone. But <laughs> these are guys that have domestic soccer fingerprints all over them. Um, you know, Tim Weah, a dude who grew up playing in New York, but most of his development happened at Lille. Eunice Musa didn't play a, a second of soccer in the United States. He grew, This is a dude who grew up in England. And you can say the same um, for Serginho Des, a dude who is who is Dutch through and through, and he's he's ready to put a hat trick on his his home nation <laughs> in just a couple of days here. But when you look at from an MLS perspective, you have to look at these aren't guys that play for MLS clubs right now. That's that cannot be the metric by which you judge Major League Soccer. It has to be have they come up and and been developed in part through Major League Soccer, and that's something that's really important too. And um, you know going outside of the MLS perspective, that's something that is really important in terms of what this country is. This is a country that has um, immigrants who have come from all over. This has a country, this is a country that has guys who didn't grow up here, but are 
and want to be representing the United States of America. And that's kind of the, the melting pot thing that I think is so important to this country. It, it makes this country what it is. And, and, and frankly, it's, it's beautiful to see the, the president of a different country scoring the other day and, and pl- almost scoring again this afternoon as well. And, and then you look at a guy like Christian Pulisic, who grew up in Pennsylvania. His dad was a semi-pro soccer player, and, and he was coached by his father, who came up in, in Michigan and Pennsylvania. And, and the breadth of stories is, is what makes this country what it is. No other country has this sort of this melting pot in the same way that we do. And I think that's beautiful, uh, even if it's not necessarily Don Garber's wet dream by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> But I'll tell you what, if I'm if I'm on the MLS PR staff, that's what I'm pointing to, right? Like like today's you know academy players here, tomorrow's World Cup stars. And yeah, I and think- I, I mean, even even Tim Ream, who's a dude who's played in England for ages, is a dude who's played domestically. He played domestically for a long time. Another Red Bull guy who who played in Texas as well. These are guys that have MLS fingerprints, even if they aren't MLS players at this stage. And I mean, we we also want to talk, of course, about noted uh, future MLS player Lionel Messi. Um, <laughs> but but really, I think it, it can if, if MLS you know positions it right, then this does become a look at what the new MLS model wants to be. And yes, they want to they'd love to have every player in every starting eleven. But but you know, to the ability to to be a development and selling league, and that's a good thing. Um, Mm-hmm. versus uh, the retirement league. Oh, those guys might play in MLS one day. I think I think there's a there's a dynamicism there that helps the league even if yeah. you know even if the US men's national team, you know, wasn't six starters out of 11 and certainly can't know very well represented maybe not right. uh, on the scoreboard. Yeah, and that, and that's I I was trying to get that that across a little bit saying like the melting pot part of this country is a benefit to major league soccer even if it's not mm-hmm. a direct and obvious one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um now it's the Dutch. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a real real tough one, real tough battle. Um, again, I think it's house money, but I'm not going to think that Saturday uh, morning. I'm going to think we must win or else. Uh, the Dutch have not lost uh, since uh, before March because that's as far back as my calendar is going. I don't believe <laughs> a lot in national team form because you're talking about friendlies and you know Nations League, which has varying degrees of you know participation or significance. But the teams that they've beaten or drawn in that time. You look at Denmark, Germany, um, they, who they drew. They've beaten Belgium a couple of times, um, the Welsh twice, uh, drew Poland. Uh, and then, of course, in the World Cup, they've, they've outscored their opponents 5-1. to one. Uh, Cody Gakpo is making a lot of money for himself. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't know where he's going to end up. Arsenal, please. But wherever <laughs> wherever it is, he scored, he scored a couple goals. And this team, it's not been a dominant team. I mean, even the guitar match today, 2-0. They were they were all over the game. They just didn't dominate the scoreboard. It, it feels to me like a team that could beat anybody in the world, that could find itself in the final, but is not a favorite to do so, perhaps because it's just it's 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 a control team and not an explosive team. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think to a, to a certain extent, this is you kind of see this with like um, you know like going back to like Cruyff's Barcelona, which is obviously an extreme Dutch influence for obvious mm-hmm. reasons there. Um, Barcelona and, of course, the Spanish national team kind of took it to another level where they're just going to total football their way to just dominating people. But this is a country that right now is is total footballing people and doesn't feel like they have that game changer who can take total football to another level. And so it's mm-hmm. the situation where 
yes, the system can go out and and be really awesome on a given day. I don't really feel like it's going to blow out a team that is competent and organized, which um, for all of Greg Berhalter's detractors, the one thing that he will never be accused of being is disorganized. So um, failing to disorganize the opponent with the ball <laughs> might be a different uh, question. But I think that the Dutch just, um, they are almost certainly a better team than the United States. Let's not get it twisted. But they're not so much better that you worry, oh, I don't see a path for how we beat this team. I think um, set pieces, as I previously mentioned, and and just going out and, and playing a smart game and not letting that sort of uh, total football you know, philosophy beat you off the field is something that this United States men's national team has probably the best couple players, I think, uh, on the field this coming weekend. The question is, do they have the opportunity to put those guys in the positions to make game winning plays? Maybe not. That's that's obviously, you know, you can be Argentina. You can have future inter Miami homegrown Lionel Messi and still win basically zero trophies <laughs> in the entire career of of the best player in the history of the game. But at the same time, if you if the things break right for you, that's tournament soccer, right? You can go out and, and snatch a victory and not get scored on is a really good way to advance in a knockout tournament. I've, I've heard they tell me this, uh, this hey, they're they, bringing it in my earpiece here. They're they saying. tell you that in, in club and in country, they tell you that yeah. uh, you mentioned the U S may have the best couple players. Uh, we certainly hope that Christian Pulisic's couple players are ready to go uh, for, <laughs> for the game. And it's in our best to him uh, without him. If we're just working with, with uh, the, the assumption, which is not based in fact yet, of course, that, that Christian might be either limited or unavailable. Does the model, does the game model change at all? Or is it just, you know, put in put in an Aronson on the wing, uh, or put an Aronson in the middle with a. I don't think the middle's going to change, so I'm going to let's, let's not go there. Does the, does the game model change there? Do you have a different striker even in? Do you play more of a false nine with Ferreira build up style around? What does that look like without Christian in the game? Yeah, I think you're less likely to play a false nine without Christian because he is one of those backline stretching sort of guys. Right. Uh, we've seen precious little time with Gio Reyna. Obviously, the reason for that is because he's not healthy, regardless of what certain conspiracy theorists who had comically <laughs> failed runs for USSF president in nineteen or in 2018 uh, would would like you to believe. Sorry, but, Eric. Yeah, there there is there is talent that you're you're going to have a drop-off when you don't have Christian Pulisic. You're not going to have a drop-off from like Christian Pulisic to me. <laughs> you know, you have you have other dudes who are, who are when healthy, scoring a ton of goals for Borussia Dortmund, which is like a top 15 club in Europe. This is a, this is a, a part of what I was saying before is the United States is, is kind of on the way. It's not a finished product yet, but you have the ability to plug in Brendan Aronson, who's, doing really well for Leeds. I think his attacking uh, exploits have been a little bit overrated at times because of the game model that Leeds is able to yeah. give him success in. But he he went out and did a job this afternoon and you saw that he doesn't need to be a guy who's, you know, Red Bull football to go to go out and make an impact on a game. And um, it's not going to be the same way that you would play if you have Christian Pulisic. But if you can just plug in Brendan Aronson, he's... Christian Pulisic light for sure. And if you can plug in Gio Reyna, that's even better because he might be a Christian Pulisic heavy. I guess would be the <laughs> Christian Pulisic leaded or whatever. You right. have the opportunity to plug in guys who they may be drop drop downs, drops down and level, but they aren't they aren't as big as historically. 
you lose Josie Altidore in 2014 and you're like Chris Wondolowski missing a shot that um, we are a huge Wando fans as everyone knows, but yeah. If you plug in Landon Donovan to miss the shot that was missed against Belgium in 2014, it's a completely different way that it's treated by U.S. fans by now. And, and we have more of a, a second Landon Donovan than a, oh, we don't have Josie. Let's plug in Wando, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really special to be able to have the depth of this team, to be able to talk about guys that are playing in Bundesliga and Premier League who are coming off the bench for this group. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, with or without Christian, I think this team has a fighting chance on Saturday. And I can't wait to to see the U.S. return to a role that is honestly probably a little more comfortable for them, which is the the underdog, as yeah. opposed to we got to break these guys down. They're going to be cagey. Can we do it? And for the first 38 it, minutes, we we're all pretty terrified. And especially since Iran was able to play as a we don't need a win sort of team, the United States had yeah. to go out and they had to grab the game. They don't have to do that on Saturday. No, they don't. And it's going to be a thrill to see if they can pull it out. And uh, I know Nashville fans are uh, recoiling at the idea of knockout football. Uh, <laughs> for sure, the the way things have gone here recently, but but we'll be back to, to talk about whatever happens against Netherlands. And we, and we encourage you to go to ML Rose. I'm still, I guess, figuring out at my role as a father, as the, as your role as a father, that they come first. So again, coming back from a business trip, it may be that I need to hang out with the kid or maybe that my Wife is going to say, you're just going to scare the kids. Go to ML Rose and have a great time. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll keep folks posted on Twitter on my plans if I plan to be at the uh, the West Nashville Sylvan Park Best and Most Important Neighborhood uh, ML Rose on uh, on Saturday. Any final thoughts before we uh, we leave these kind folks? No, it's just is it is time. It's time to to go out and and beat the tar out of the Netherlands. <laughs> to be honest, I've, I I slow played it here, but I, it's got to happen, right? I think it's. You you want to be at a place with other soccer fans this Saturday because I think it, I have a, yeah. a good feeling about it in a way that I didn't have about today's game. So let's go out and, and have a good time together. The pressure is on the team wearing orange, as it always is. This time it's the <laughs> Netherlands wearing orange. And I, I'm with you. This is this is a comfortable situation. This is a almost, not quite, but almost house money situation. Yeah. I can't wait to see him go get it done. And we can't wait to talk to you guys about it. We'll see you soon.